Welcome to the Help for Wounded Spirits. This podcast exists to reach those wounded and suffering through life's trials. And now your hosts, Dr. Doug Carriger and Mrs. Stephanie Wesco. with you folks. What an excellent opportunity. What an honor it is for us to come back with you. With me again today is uh, Pastor Miller. And what we wanted to do is we wanted to take this Friday podcast and make it about asking a man with a a half century of experience uh, and maybe even a little more. I mean, he went away to Bible college, graduated, spent years in seminary and teaching and counseling and Bible dean, those kind of things, dean at a Bible college and you know, and, and pastoring for many years, a church that uh, I went to, and I just, I love to be able to ask questions of people who've given half their lives and greater, and he's certainly at two-thirds of his life, maybe even more. So I wanted to ask him some questions. I want to start by thanking you for being with us, Pastor Miller. Thank well, you. It's a privilege to be with you always. Amen. Amen. You're, you're a blessing. A lot of you folks write in when Pastor Miller's on, so we, we're going to go out of our way to try to get him back once a month or whatever's good for him. Pastor Miller will, has told me and uh, uh, I know it's true that he's as busy now as when he was pastoring full-time. <laughs> People are calling on him. He's, he's out helping folks, working with folks, and trying to fit some family time in there. But, uh, Pastor, if we could start with a question with your life verse. What is your life verse? And if you have multiple, you can share them. Well, you know, people for years said you ought to get a life verse, and I probably was around 40 before I got one. So I went to study for the ministry in 1968, mm. 50, you figure that one out, yeah. <laughs> 53 years ago. Yeah. And thank God for the, the, the mercy and grace to be able to do that. It's something I never would have expected and I never deserved, but it's a privilege. But it, let me just say, I came to a point where I thought I need one and I thought, what would help me? Romans 1, 16. Oh, yeah. For I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believeth, to the Jew first and also to the Greek, for therein is the righteousness of God revealed from faith to faith, as it is written, the just shall live by faith. Now, that's actually two verses. It is. Yeah, but good but ones. The first one I start out with, and why? Because... I, not because I'm bragging and saying I'm not ashamed. Yeah. I got that verse to remind me not to be ashamed. Yeah. You know, sometimes we get edgy about saying something for the Lord. Hey, the one that's done the most for you, you ought to brag on the most. Yeah. And that verse has helped me remind me, be spontaneous and regularly willing to brag on Christ. Yeah. God. And you know what's good is I, I didn't intentionally do this, but I skipped you might be a knucklehead if, and you might be a knucklehead if you're ashamed. Yeah, that's right. You might be a knucklehead if you're ashamed of the one that's done the most for you that anyone ever has or ever will do for you. Yeah, yeah, God no, that's good. on a cross for you, took your hell, yeah. delivered you from the kingdom of darkness. Wow, on that cross, on that, yeah. so much happened that day, so... 
uh, wow, and so much is happening today because of that. So you got that life verse, and I can tell you that Pastor Miller has always been a soul winner, that uh, I've been to a lot of churches in my life. When Pastor Miller was the pastor, they were definitely knocking on doors, working with the school across, doing everything that churches do. And so you get that life verse, you, you get into ministry, and you deal with all kinds of things. But one thing, you, you made a mention of this two podcasts ago. Um, God gives us what we need as far as trials go, as what we need uh, to get right. It was, it was given in your context that you gave that yeah. in. Uh, so talk about that. Yeah, uh, God only chastens us or puts us through trials for what it needs to change us, what he's wanting to change and grow us in. Yeah. It's uh, like I tell parents that are disciplining children uh, or trying to correct your child or grow them. Uh, when it comes to correction, don't use a cannon when a BB gun will work. Yeah, there you go. Yeah, in the military, you don't bring out uh, a tank when a pistol will do the job on what needs to be done. Right. You know, and that's exactly what we do as parents. We don't get any heavier than we need to or have to. Yeah. And, and it depends on the child's response. Well, God doesn't overwhelm us. He's not a, a heavy-handed individual. In fact, he's very tender and only goes as heavy as he has to to get us changed. Hey, man, I'm thankful for that. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. he remembers our frame as but dust, and he remembers we're human and frail, and as long as our attitude and our response is positive toward him, he's, he's, he's good with that. As a father pitieth his children, so the Lord pities those that fear him or have a reverence toward him and have the right attitude, so... And he knows there's lots of things that need to be changed, and he doesn't overwhelm us and show us them all. He shows us as many as we can handle at a time, and then we get that changed, and then he reveals. You know, I've been surprised at times. God showed me something. I said, God, that's been in my life for years, and you never showed it to me before. And it's like God comes back and says, hey, you had so many other things I had you working on. <laughs> You'd have been overwhelmed if I'd have given you this one with them. Yeah, well, yeah. that's that's awesome. And uh, so, you know, I got this million-dollar follow-on question. Uh, so there's different trials. God gives us what we need. God, and I totally agree with that. And uh, people always ask me the question. There's a lot of folks listening to us right now who are dealing with the trial of illness. Uh, and we know why people get ill. The Bible's clear. It's because of sin. So what would you say to somebody who's in the mist of chronic, ever-running, long-running, you know, when this ends, they're in heaven. Uh, not looking at it from a trial perspective. We know that that's a trial. We know that God allows it to happen. But how would how could we help somebody who's in the mist? So this is a question I wrote down before that last question. How do we help somebody? How do we, how do, we do this? Are you talking about someone that's terminally ill and been told they're going to die? Yeah, they got like a year or two to live. Okay. What are they doing with that? How are they doing things? Yeah, I know I'm thinking of an individual right now that a man called me this morning and asked me, can you give me an update on this guy? He has brain cancer. Hmm. This young man is 52. Wow. And he has brain cancer. 
and they extracted what they could get out, but now he's in the throes of an incurable brain cancer that the average person dies within 18 to 24 months after mm. it's first extracted. Yeah. And I've been trying to minister to him, his wife, the two daughters. And this young man has been a servant of the Lord, ran our children's ministry at Morningside Baptist Church, servant that's been faithful through the years, even wondered at one point if God was calling him into full-time service, but he was serving the Lord full-time. Yeah. And the thing that I share with him, I said, finish well with whatever time you have left. Yeah. Be a witness. Be a witness to the medical people. You know, this trial has put you in contact with people that the, my pastoring ministry will not put me in contact with. So be sure you're sharing the gospel with everyone that you can. And also show your wife and daughters how to die in God's grace. Amen. If God's going to take you. If God gives you a miracle, then give him all the glory and the credit and have the joy of the Lord. But don't get depressed. Thank the Lord for the life he's given you. You grew up in a Christian home. You've got so many blessings you've experienced. Give thanks in everything. Give thanks for this is the will of God in Christ concerning you. Now, we don't rejoice for cancer itself. No. We don't rejoice for pain. But grow in... Through trial, my brethren, count it all joy when you fall into divers' tests or trials. And boy, is he in a trial. Why do we do the rejoicing? We know that he is developing us still to yeah. the very end. And my dad had cancer. For the last six and a half years, he went in and out of prostate cancer, and it spread back and forth. And my dad grew more Christ-like in those six and a half years than he did in the previous 66 years. Wow. He became a man of praise, a man of prayer, and he complimented my mom, and he treated her in better than she had ever been treated when he went through those six and a half years of cancer. Wow. He said, Tony, he changed so much, and would praise me. I didn't even know how to respond to your dad at times. He was so good. Mm. So be godly in your attitude. Minister to your family. Witness, pray, and praise. Yeah, and there it is, folks. Finish I, well. You know, my stepdad, uh, Ray Doton, good man. Uh, I went with him. He, his legs were swelling bad. We were home on leave. I was in the Army, and uh, Debbie, kids, and I were home on leave, and Debbie noticed that his legs were swollen. I took him to the emergency room, and they made an appointment. You know, they realized at that point his heart wasn't working Congestive properly. heart failure. Right. And that was back before they had that medicine cocktail figured out and all that. And uh, so this would have been 30 years ago. And we uh, we went to Yale, New Haven. I remember the doctor came in. My stepfather had been saved. Uh, they had actually allowed someone to plant a church in the house. Uh, two weeks after they got saved, they said, yeah, you can do it in our house because they, they were 30 miles up the road. I mean, they were baptizing people. I mean, God just did a work through them. So it was great to see that. 
But I remember I went to the hospital with him, and you, boy, you learn so much from your parents, you don't think about this, but it happened so quickly. I remember the doctor came in and told my stepfather, you're dying. Mm-hmm. And my stepfather looked back at him and said, so are you. Yeah. <laughs> it's just a matter of timing. Exactly. And, uh, but I remember my stepfather, I remember my mother was real upset. They told my stepfather he had six months to a year to live. He lived 10 years. But I, I remember we were driving down the road, you know, and, and it's real sullen. It's real solemn time. Everybody's yeah. sad. And my stepfather looked at me and said, hey, can we grab some spaghetti and meatballs somewhere? He said, <laughs> he said I know you really get your fix of New England restaurant. So there's a good place up here on the right. And the way he handled that and the grace that he showed in his life helped me. It ministered to me. And uh, exactly what you were saying. Showed you how to die in God's grace. Yep. Every time, he, you know, we never use words like love and stuff. Every time after that, he would always call me, tell me he loved me, tell me he missed me. And, I mean, it made a huge difference in my life. Amen. So, Thank God for that man. So you, can, you folks can have that title as well. Now, so this is another question. Again, not hooked to the trials, not hooked to the illness. And I want to say that these are just questions, as I remember people talk to us about, people ask us about. Now, there's, there's just a ton of people. Christians uh, that are, are of relationship age and they don't have a relationship. So they always, we're always getting posed with the questions is dating sites is how do I go about this? How do I, as long as I find somebody from church, I mean, what direction, what do you recommend with all that? You know where I'm going. They're asking the question, how can I broaden my pool of potential husbands or wives? Well, uh, Back years ago, it would be go to church and go to many churches <laughs> and look for a good Christian that's dedicated uh, to the Lord. Uh, but nowadays, that's not the way that a lot of people go. And people ask the question, well, should I go on out, on online? You know, should I go uh, and search in a broad way like that? And I say, that can be positive and negative. I've found a lot of people have found good mates out online, but these are people that have their heads screwed on straight. They know the Bible. They know what they need and what biblically they're looking for. Yeah. Yeah, you're, you're looking for someone that's a saved believer, clearly saved. This is someone that has similar philosophy of life. Biblical standards that are the same. Biblical goals and purposes in life that are the same. And you can find people out online that way, but I just say get coaching from your pastor or someone if you're going to do that. Yeah. Because there's some danger there. There's people that have gotten Lulu's. I'm just saying that. No, I know. I know. And so from that standpoint, but I would still say get involved in, Christian ministries, camps, and yeah. outings, and and churches. a camp, a camp ministry will get you married, brother. <laughs> you get you connected I, with dedicated young people. Some of the ugliest people I ever met go to camp and get married. Praise <laughs> God! So, uh, yeah. Not that I'm saying people listen here are good looking, but anyway, I, I think that I think there's some great points that just came from his answer. And the points of this, can they do it? Yeah. But you need to have some markers there. You need to understand what you're doing. You need to make sure that people are of like faith. And I'd yeah. rather be uh, single wanting to be married than be married wanting to be single. And you got to 
you got to make some choices that bring honor and glory to God, uh, equally yoked, all those things that Pastor was just talking about. So I think, too, I think if you can pull that off, but there's a better, you know, there's a better way, and the better way is, uh, you know, go spend a summer at Southland Christian Camp or Camp Joy or yeah. the Wilds or wherever. You Camps, know? churches, con- Christian yeah. conferences. Just go to Mission that. trips. You and, know. and make your, you know, the best ability is availability when it comes to that kind of stuff. You know, being out there I think and meeting t- people. I think two assistants who were singles of mine, and God would have called them to go to the mission field. Are they going to go single? These young men went and found their mates on the mission field. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So seek God's kingdom, his righteousness, and he will add all those things things to you. But I I am going to say this. You made reference to this thing about I've just got to be married. Some people, and oftentimes girls, feel like I've just got to be married. Well, like Israel thought they had to have a king, and they came and told Samuel, we got to have a king. Why? we got to be like all the nations. Everybody else has a king that fights our wars. Listen, what kind of king did they get? They got one that was a burden rather than a blessing. And there's women looking for a man. And let me say, some of you women, you just go to any man that shows you interest. You might get a burden for life rather than a blessing for life. And that's important. And I'll tell you, I'll even take that a step farther and say that I've known pastors who led a guy to the Lord and two weeks later tried to fix him up with a woman in his church. And then you you got people who've been divorced. I mean... There's rules you got to, and you know, folks, you know if you're in a good church or not. You just know it, and you know if you. Uh, but you're being led astray if if somebody is not of like faith and settled and mature. I mean, there's mar- there's lights that go on. So don't get all starry eyed over the concept of a relationship or marriage until you uh, get clearance from heaven, until it biblically matches. So, huh. Something worse than not being married, and that's being married to the wrong person. Yeah. Yeah, and you get that? I mean, I don't know what you do. So I think those are great questions. We're always being asked that. I think we'll get one more on here, um, and and that's failures. Uh, people who fail, who don't feel worthy, people who've had failures in their backgrounds. And uh, I guess I could give you two or three people we've talked to over time. And one would be this uh, failing, failing in the ministry. Uh, failing in, uh, another would be failing in college. Uh, failures and relationships prior to marriage, failures. How do you encourage folks who have those failures? What would you say to them? Well, two things. Number one, the past, if it's my sinful, willful, bad choices, put it under the blood of Jesus Christ. The blood of Jesus Christ covers sin, and sin is a failure. And in whatever form it comes in, if I made the wrong choices because I was self-willed or selfish or whatever, or I wasn't following good guidance, or I refused to listen to parents or pastors, whatever, the blood of Jesus Christ, God's Son, cleanses from all sin. But the next point of advice is don't continue to failure. Learn what not to do by your failures or other people's, and start listening and start seeking the Word of God and you've got a whole life ahead of you. Yeah. And focus on what God will do. It says, if you're right with God and surrendered and willing, the steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord. Yeah. God doesn't order our leaps. He orders our steps. 
And what's your step? Are you in the right step right now? Well, do it. Stay in that step until he says the next step. And let God guide you and, and learn from your past failures or other people's past failures and seek God's word for wisdom and do it. But you've got the future is as bright as the promises of God. There it is. And, uh, and, and folks, I've got to tell you this thing about failures as well. As you can find failures in the Bible, people who failed, in the Bible, I mean, they're everywhere. Me, I was after I got saved. My parents dropped out of church, so for eight and a half years, I lived a selfish life. Most of that's going to be burned up at the judgment seat of Christ. Yeah, I did things that in the Old Testament they stoned people for. After I was saved, because I was a babe in Christ for eight and a half years, didn't have any strength or grace. God has failed me. I've failed God, and God has never failed me. Yeah, And that's what I've come to appreciate about God the most. Yeah. He was faithful. And through it all, yeah. through it all, he's been faithful. And I mean, you know, that begs the question. We, we come back to this place <clears throat> when we're talking about failing. And there are people who put themselves early on in God's waiting room and give up. They're in God's waiting room to go to heaven. And I know people who are 50 years old who are already in that placement. You know, they're just... Uh, there's just not much going on in their life. If uh, if they come to church on Sunday, it's a good week. Um, you know, they're just barely making it. So what would you say, I mean, what do we do for the, and you know some of them. I mean, I'm talking to uh, a handful of people at our church. I'm sure you're talking to three handfuls of people. And some of these people are in shutdown mode. Maybe from failures, maybe from thinking life's too hard on them, maybe but they have just a ton of life left in them. They got a lot to give, and they're sitting at home. And some of these folks are listening to us. I mean, what do we say to folks like that? <laughs> There's an old saying that I'm tempted to say, but it's not over until the fat lady sings, is yeah. what they used to say in operas. Yeah. And that was usually the big woman that had a booming voice. Back so before the microphones and stuff yeah. is where that came from. And, yeah. and, the, and the thing's not over until the big lady sings, listen, your life is not over until you're on deathbed. And some of the most fruitful years of servants of God are in the last third of their life. Think of Moses. Yeah. Uh, think of Paul, all the years he went around murdering Christians. Yep. And then later on, God used him in a powerful way and he get put in prison it's over with. No, he's writing these letters that all of us are reading nowadays. My life's verse, <laughs> Romans 1.16, comes out of Paul's epistle. Prison epistles, the, the, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so let me just say, it doesn't matter where, what circumstances you're in, what failures. You have an opportunity, and think of Jesus. The last three and a half years opposed to the first 30 years of Jesus' life. The significance and what he accomplished. Think of that. And you can still do things. I think somebody, I, I read this thing the other day of all the failures, just from a manly perspective of, you know, of Abraham Lincoln, of Walt Disney. And I mean, there was this yes. big, long list of people here in this country. Webster's Dictionary written and all of these great yeah. opera uh, or classical songwriters. You can go through a whole list. Their greatest achievements were in the last third of their life. Yeah. But I, I would like to just say this. I'm going to use an illustration. Yeah. 
we have a Saturday men's prayer meeting, and there's a man that comes every Saturday that's 95 years of age, and he's faithful to that prayer meeting. But there's a man that comes and walks in in a stroller. He had a car accident about two and a half years ago, and they didn't think he was going to live. He was laid up in a bed. Now he's worked up to where he can get in his stroller and come to prayer meeting. Amen. And he shared a, a devotional. He said, have you ever noticed in the Bible when something bad happens, something's going to follow it? Or when something good is going to happen, it uses to follow something bad? And he went through and gave illustrations in the Bible of that. Yeah. Paul gets thrown into prison. Somebody's going to get saved and an epistle's <laughs> going to be written. He said, you know, I went through this accident and I can't hardly walk now. He said, but let me tell you, this is the best time of my life. He said, I could walk and I could do all of these things now. I'm confined. But you know what I found is the best thing? I can pray and I'm praying for missionaries all over the world. And he said, I'm confined physically, but I am not bound I'm praying for people all over the world. So every Saturday when we pray for our church missionaries and our mission board missionaries, I call on him because he's got all their needs memorized. Isn't that wonderful? Oh, yeah, the best time of his life. And he's smiling, and he can hardly get up and get his stroller walking so folks, out of the building. Folks, here it is. Here it is. What are you doing? I remember I read a, a, a biography about Ronald Reagan not too long ago, and I, I believe Ronald Reagan was a born-again Christian, sure. and I read that in the biography very strong, going back to his college years. He accepted the Lord, and he had written a letter. He had been in acting, and he had been in some A type of movies, and he was in B movies, and then he was introduced in TV shows, and he wrote down uh, his wife left him, his first wife left yeah. him, and he wrote this letter to himself, and it started off with, you're a complete failure. You haven't done anything in years. You're of no value. And he, he wrote this letter. And, and from what I could tell, a, the biographer was a very good friend to Reagan. I mean, it was, uh, I think it was his press secretary or something at some point. But uh, she gets down to the end. And then she said, a month later, Ronald Reagan walked back to the desk, pulled out the letter, wrote on the bottom. But that all changes today. And he underlined it. Amen. He made a decision. And, uh, yeah. So I remember reading that. I remember he had picked a verse that really didn't hermeneutically... <laughs> match what he was trying to do but he had picked out this bi this bible verse that was going to inspire it was john three sixteen. for god so loved the world and he said this is inspiring me to action you know i was looking amen and uh, uh and then he became governor of california and yeah. then he then he became president of the united states but you know maybe we just need to write down it all changes today maybe that's where i made we're that at. decision in 1967 october 10th there it is I, my wife, everything I'd try, blew up, blew up, blew up. College, sports, relationships, just blowing up. And I yeah. was trying the last thing, and it blew up. And then I said, God, from this day on, whatever pleases you is going to be my pleasure. There it is. Get to that place, folks. And I think we're going to end with that. We're going to thank Pastor Miller for being with us. And uh, listen, folks, this is an honor. It's an honor to come across it your is. radios. It is. And, and we're thankful Thankful that you took the time to listen to us today. And uh, if we can do anything to help you, find us at Helpful Wounded Spirits. Listen to everything, everything Brother Eric's got to say. And uh, we'll see you soon. Thanks. Thank you for listening to our podcast today. 
It is very important to all of us at Help for Wounded Spirits that you know your Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. The Bible is very clear with a simple salvation message. You can know today. First, you're a sinner, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Second, there's a price on sin, for the wages of sin is death. Third, Jesus paid that price for you, but God commendeth his love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Lastly, you must speak it with your mouth and believe it with your heart, that if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus, and shalt believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. For with the heart man believeth unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made known unto salvation. Simply ask the Lord to save you in Jesus' name while believing in your heart, and he will. Please contact us if we can help you in any way. God bless you. Doug and Stephanie, thank you for listening today. We hope this podcast has been a blessing in your life. For helpful resources, more information, or to donate to help this vital ministry, visit us at woundedspirits.com.